Zipper rolls out to the right, pitches off to Taylor, and Taylor's to the 20. Down to the 15, down to the 10, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Touchdown, Billy Taylor! Touchdown, Billy Taylor! Billy Taylor scored a touchdown from 21 yards out. The crowd goes berserk. It was November 22nd, 1969 that they came to Barry, Michigan, all dressed in maize and blue. The words were said, the prayers were read, and everybody cried. But when they closed the coffin, there was someone else inside. Oh, they came to Barry, Michigan, but Michigan wasn't dead. And when the game was over, it was someone else instead. Eleven Michigan Wolverines put on the gloves of gray, and as the organ played the victors, they laid Woody Hayes away. Under center is Wangler at the 45. He goes back. He's looking for a receiver. He throws downfield to fire. Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue and welcome to this week's Visitor's Edition. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. It's homecoming this week and our visitors come to town with a two-game winning streak. We'll hear about that and get to know this Rutgers team better through the eyes of columnist Steve Politti from the Newark Star-Ledger, who covers the Scarlet Knights. First, let's roll with my view from Section 17. I think Jim Harbaugh, his staff, and the players put Penn State in the rearview mirror after Saturday. I'm sure they looked at film to see what needs to be addressed, but they won't let it linger, they just can't. They have to be ready for Rutgers on Saturday and getting this thing back on track. The same can't be said for a segment of our fan base. Whether it's Twitter, Facebook, a stool in your local pub, the numerous message boards, or just the fans you run into in everyday life, it has been kind of a nasty week. Part of that I understand. It's been a long time since our last Big Ten championship. We've endured the Rich Rod experiment and the expectation that Brady would right the ship in short order. Then, of course, all of that was washed away when Jim was hired, and the fan expectations once again went through the roof. There was patience, sort of, during the first two years, but in this third year, a big chunk of the fan base thought we would be back at elite status. Never mind the fact 19 of last year's players have been, or are, on NFL rosters right now. I'm just an old guy that does a podcast, and once upon a time, I was one of those impatient fans who expected excellence every Saturday, every season. You often read that sports is a metaphor for life, and I do believe that. One thing aging teaches you is that whether it's your marriage, your job, your health, friendships, or yes, even your favorite football team, there are bumps in the road, and it takes work. Life never goes like you want it to all the time, and you can bank on that. So patience and perseverance are required in all of those things, if they are going to be satisfying and successful. I know you want Michigan football to be great again. I know you want to beat Michigan State and Ohio State again. I do too. We can't compare our football team to Alabama or that team in Columbus or even Penn State right now. Every team, every situation is different. It comes down to this for me, and I think a lot of our fans need to take a deep breath and let this sink in. Jim Harbaugh has been successful with everything and everywhere he's ever been. Is he on the right path? 
Yes, he is. Is it happening fast enough for some of you? No, it is not. If you don't think Jim and his staff see the big picture or realize the fan angst, I don't even know what to tell you. He does. I firmly believe he's building a team and a program designed for long-term success. And we hope a few Big Ten championships and playoff appearances along the way. It's going to take time, more time than some of us thought. I know that is not what some of you want to hear. But if Jim Harbaugh can't do it, who can? Now, that doesn't exclude him from criticism regarding play calling, game planning, or player development. He knows what needs to be done. So let's try and enjoy the journey as hard as it is sometimes. We have a game this Saturday. It's homecoming, and we are 5-2. and two. We're going to be just fine. And I, for one, can't wait to plop down in my seat in Section 17 this Saturday, in my rain gear again, and watch our young Wolverines keep working, because they will, and we owe them our support. Steve Politi covers Rutgers for the Newark Star-Ledger. He also covers the Yankees. He's one of those hard-boiled East Coast writers that tells it like it is. But even he is amazed at the reaction of some of our fan base. Like he said, Mike, could be worse. You could be a Rutgers fan. He doesn't hold out much hope for the Jersey Boys this weekend. And he joins me next on our visitors segment, here on The Michigan Man, on Wolverine Sports Radio. A member of the V-Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Joining us on our visitors segment this week is columnist Steve Politi from the Newark Star-Ledger, back for a, a second year in a row. Great to have you come back, Steve. Yeah, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it, Mike. Well, let's talk about this Rutgers team uh, we're going to be seeing Saturday in the Big House, Steve. Coach Chris Ash and Rutgers now have won two Big Ten games in a row, beat Purdue Saturday 14-12. to It wasn't pretty statistically, but as Coach Ash said after the game, it's a W, and right now at this point in the program, that's a big deal. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's no question. This is a this is a, a team that went, you know, didn't win a Big Ten game, 16 straight Big Ten losses, didn't win one last season. Uh, you know, needed this little streak here, and and to to you know, the, first of all, to beat Illinois on the road with a you know really dominating both sides of scrimmage, running the ball really well. That looked that looked that was was a was a complete victory. This one a little a little less uh, you know a little less aesthetic, but. Uh, you know they still played well defensively. They they stopped them on on I think 15 of 18 third and fourth downs. Got a couple of turnovers. Were very good on special teams. And again, this is a this is a game they would have lost last year. So uh, for this program where it is right now uh, to have back to back victories to ensure you have more victories this year than last year, you know these are all important steps. Well, Rutgers is three and four on the season, as we mentioned, two straight Big Ten wins. And they also played Washington very tough early in the season. Is the program making real strides forward this year, Steve? You know, I, I think they are on the defensive side. I think seeing signs of what, what Chris Ash was a defensive coach at Ohio State and brought a lot of those uh, things here. And I, I think you're, you're starting to see that. You know, this is, still a, this is still a team that lacks an offensive identity and uh, is very low on, on skill position players. You know, they made a quarterback switch uh, a couple weeks ago to Gio Rashino, who's 
uh, junior from Michigan, uh, who's, uh, you know, a little bit more mobile, uh, you know, bigger kid can, you know, can throw the ball, but they still haven't gotten any. This is the two straight weeks where he didn't throw for 100 yards. So, you know, they're still lacking that, that kind of uh, uh, ability to, to move the football in any, in any consistent way. And I think that's, that's, that's sort of what's holding them back right now from, from taking a bigger step. Jerry Kill is the eighth offensive coordinator there in eight years, I believe. Yeah. What yeah. kind of a change has he brought to that offensive philosophy? Very simple. He's just a smart guy who has been able to use what talent he has. And that's, that's something that didn't happen last year. I know that seems, it seems like a very simple statement, but last year Rutgers wanted to run a spread offense and was essentially jamming jamming square pegs into round holes. And then this year, you know, Jerry Kill has pretty much been given carte blanche, so to speak, to to look at what he's got and to use pieces like, you know, Raheem Blackshear is a freshman running back who's who might be the most talented kid on the offense. Well, they're getting him involved any way they can, whether it's handing him the ball or, or throwing him little uh, wheel route uh, patterns for a touchdown like they did against Purdue. You know, they're just trying to they have, they have a couple of big tight ends, so they've, they've brought that back into the system, you know, uh, he's just been very good at, at at taking the pieces he has and and finding finding something that that makes for a passable offense. As you mentioned, Gio Rashino uh, got to start at quarterback. Kyle Bolin is the other quarterback that's seen significant time this season. Is it Gino's start again this week? Gio will start again this week. Correct. Yeah, uh, he's been a little banged up, but uh, you know I think they just they just decided that they you know they don't want to make it a situation where they're switching up uh you know every game or every half or whatever so they're they're going to ride him for a while and you know he's 2 and 0 i think yeah, whatever you say about statistically uh clearly you know the kids they the the players in the team really like him he's a leader he's a likable kid and i think you know they're just going to ride him out for 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 a while well i haven't seen enough of him to form an opinion on Gino uh what kind of a quarterback is he Steve and what kind of a style does he bring to that offense he's a mobile mobile kid he's got he's uh you know he's got uh He's really a physical runner. I think that gets him in trouble because he doesn't mind putting his head down and, and pushing for you know pushing for the extra yards, which which has kind of uh, led to some injury problems in the past. You know, he's not the most accurate thrower, uh, but he can he can make he you know he'll he'll surprise you. He's got a big arm. It's just sometimes it's not always on target. Um, you know, but the bigger problem is this team, you know, only had one catch by a wide receiver last week. Uh, you know, uh, three weeks ago, only had had zero catches against Ohio State by wide receivers. So they really don't have any playmakers uh, on the outside that they've been able to target. So that limits what you know. It could be Brett Favre playing quarterback, and they would have a hard time. So that that's that's an obstacle that he's running into. Well, as you might expect uh, with a Jerry Kill-led offense, uh, they like to run that football. It's been pretty good so far. Gus mm-hmm. Edwards, four hundred and eighty-seven yards. Robert Martin. 278 and he's relatively healthy and you mentioned the the freshman Rasheen Blackshear he has 216 yards so that's not bad production from three guys Steve no it's not no and they've, they've rotated them in that's probably the deepest position on the team uh, running back and Gus Edwards you know a graduate transfer from Miami has they came in and took, took the starting job most people think that he's got he's gonna have some role on, on the next level in the NFL uh, Robert Martin I think is the most uh, most talented runner they have, natural runner, and he, he's just, uh, you know, he, he's the kind of guy that can't protect the football, so they have a little trouble using him uh, more than they have. And like I said, Blackshear, you know, Jerry Kill gave him the highest praise I've heard in a while. They, that he, they think he, Kill thinks he's the next Jerry, uh, the next uh, Ray Rice of this program, um, which is obviously, you know, uh, really high praise for for anybody who's at Rutgers. And and uh, he's not only uh, one of the speedier kids on the team, but he's also for his size a very physical runner so they like him a lot 
Um, you know, the question is, are they going to be able to get enough uh, enough running room against a defense like Michigan? That's going to be a big concern. Well, you mentioned that getting the ball to the wideouts to the playmakers has been an issue uh, this year. You've got Janarian Grant out there, who's one big-time player, 16 grabs so far this year. Jerome Washington has 19 catches. Is Jerry Kill working, trying to get the ball in the hands, especially of a Janarian Grant? Janarian's been a disappointment. He came back, uh, uh, I'm not sure he would have gotten drafted, but he considered going to the NFL anyway, came back hoping to build up his his uh, his resume and really hasn't. You know, He had, a, he had an injury that kept him out a couple of weeks, uh, but even before then, you know, he just wasn't uh, making the, the dynamic plays that we've seen from him, uh, really not involved enough in, in the offense. Uh, you know, that's, that's been one of those big head scratchers for, for us this season, why, why Janarian hasn't had a big impact. Uh, uh, you know, and now I want, he, he also left the game against Purdue. Uh, they say he's fine, but I still, I still wonder how much of a role he'll have, he'll have this week in Michigan. Uh, Washington's an interesting kid, though. He's another, you know, he's, he's a big target. Uh, another NFL body uh, at tight end, uh, you know, and he's, I, mean, I, I think in a lot of ways, you know, their most reliable uh, uh, passing game target right now because he can get open against, uh, you know, in, in the secondary. And he's made a couple of nice plays. He's been one guy they tried to use a lot. Well, you know, I know the numbers can be deceiving. Michigan's defense gets a lot of publicity, as we all know, until last week. Well, they got publicity last week, too, but the wrong yeah, kind. Right, exactly. Uh, <laughs> they got plenty. They got plenty there, from what I can tell. Michigan's given up 130 points uh, this year. But, you know, when I was looking at the Rutgers stats, uh, they're pretty close. They've only given up 165 points so far, a chunk of those against Ohio State. So at least yeah. from those numbers, the defense has not been that bad, Steve. It is much improved, and that's despite the fact that they've lost, you know, they lost a couple of kids. Uh, Bless Austin was their best defensive player, I thought. Cornerback, he's gone. He's been gone for the season. They lost, uh, uh, you know, a, a key safety. They've had, they've had some injuries up front. So they've, they've done a really nice job. And I think part of that is also that, you know, last season, and this is, this is how you get to a score like they had against Michigan last year, which was 78 nothing. You You know, they were trying to, be something that couldn't be on offense. And, you know, when you go three and out 10 seconds and then have a bad punt <laughs> against Michigan, we'll get, you know, before you know it, it's 50 nothing at halftime. So I think the fact that they are a little bit better and they're, they're trying to take time off the clock offensively and they're better, certainly much better in special teams has also helped keep the scores down uh, incredibly. So that that's had an impact as well. But as you said, I mean, defensively, you know, uh, they got exposed by a much more talented team in Ohio State, but a lot of teams have. Um, you know, they, they have they have been uh, much better this year. Well, most of the preseason magazine said if Rutgers could get back to that 500 mark this year, it would be huge for the program and, of course, for recruiting. Do you think they have a, a realistic chance to do that? No, I think that that went out the window when they lost Eastern Michigan in the, uh, in the uh, second week of the season. They really need to get that victory. Um, you know, I do I do think, though, that even that was was a high bar for them to clear. Two and ten last year, still trying, still have no depth at really a lot of the, the key positions on the field. I mean, I thought going into the year that if they could go four and eight or they, with a couple of victories, um, uh, you know, in the Big Ten, that would be very good. Uh, I, I think they could do that still. Certainly, you know, three or three three wins now. They still have Maryland, which I think. You know, now they've moved that game to Piscataway instead of Yankee Stadium. That's a winnable game for them. So if they can get that and suddenly you double your win total from last year, hey, that, that, that to me 
is showing people that you're you're heading in the right direction. Well, Coach Ash is in his second season, big rebuilding job, as we all know, but he's in such a talent-rich recruiting area. Is he starting to keep some of that Jersey and East Coast talent at home? Uh, a little bit. It's been it's been tough. His first recruiting class actually was really good. I mean, they you know they they had a couple four star kids from Jersey. Uh, you know, he he came in and, and and held it together despite the results. Uh, I think it's been a little harder now because he is recruiting off his record, and last year was tough. And a lot of those recruits, you know, were sitting in the stadium for seventy eight nothing. You know, and saw it firsthand, and then that. You know that chases that chases people away. So I think it's been a little harder uh, based on that. Um, you know, it, it, you're right. It is a very talent-rich state. But even when Greg Shiano, who's sort of been the, you know the yardstick for anybody who's, who's going to be here, even when he was here, he was only getting you know <laughs> you know ten, eleven of the top fifty kids from New Jersey to stay. So it's just been a it's just been a steep hill for anybody to climb. You know, I think you'd have to say that Chris Ash is, you know, somewhere at the bottom of the mountain trying to scrape his way up, but at least he did have that first good recruiting class. Yeah, it's gonna to be tough. But do you think he is going to be a, a guy that gets his four or five years to uh, turn that thing around? I think yeah, absolutely there's any question. I mean, I I you know, the Patrick Hobbs, the athletic director is all in. He recognizes this the, the problem with, you know, how it wasn't just that he was trying to, the cover, but the cover was empty, certainly, but it was also that they were, you know, uh, not all publicity for it, but we're facing NCAA questions. There was an investigation. They were, their problem, kids got arrested, you know, they were, you know, and, and, and all, all this stuff was just kind of a shadow over the program. So, uh, you know, he had, in, in some ways, his rebuilding job was a little, was a little harder than even uh, Jeff Brown at, at Purdue because, you know, Brown didn't have to deal with all this stuff. So uh, I think, you know, that they're committed to him. And, and next year, to me, is going to be a big year because the schedule is more manageable. Now you're in your third year. These are most of your plans. This is your system. You know, I'd be very, I think that's when you start looking at, all right, can this team go six and six? Can it, can seven to five? Can it make, really turn the corner in a meaningful way? You know, and I, I, I certainly think he'll he'll get the chance uh, for that and beyond that. With us here in our visitors segment today, as we uh, talk a little Rutgers football, see what kind of a team they're bringing in Saturday to the Big House, is a columnist Steve Politi from the Newark Star Ledger. Steve, Michigan leads the series two games to one, and if you're a Michigan or Rutgers fan, I'm sure you remember the first time these two teams played. And I still think back in that game, Steve, it was like Rutgers won the Big Ten Championship when they beat Michigan there in Piscataway. <laughs> right. I mean, that was one yeah. crazy celebration, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And I, it was, it, some people on Twitter, some national guys, they're like, oh, look at Michigan's record. If Rutgers beats Michigan, it's going to be that kind of celebration. It doesn't matter what Michigan's record is. You know, I mean, uh, and you have to remember, there are people who, who honestly thought that, you know, putting Rutgers in the Big Ten was some sort of massive disgrace that they wouldn't be able to compete against anybody that it was like to bring down the brand of the big 10. So, you know, to win that game, to win it in prime time, to win it how they wanted dramatic fashion, you know, yeah, the fans stormed the field. It was really a great scene. And that's sort of been by far the, the high point for, for the Scarlet Knights and, and the big 10 so far. Uh, and obviously, obviously the two programs have gone in different directions since then. Well, this Saturday Rutgers, as we've mentioned, rides in on a two game winning streak. And we know they're facing a Michigan team reeling after getting just blown up in Happy Valley. So I guess it depends how you look at it. Either this is going to be a down Michigan team or a ticked off one. Either way, I've got to think uh, Rutgers thinks if they can shut this Michigan offense down, which uh, a lot of times shuts itself down, 
that they can hang around and, and maybe have a chance in this thing, Steve. I'm sure that's how they're looking at it. <clears throat> what would concern me is that they did, you know, they gave up more than 200 yards rushing to uh, to Purdue, which is not, you know, not exactly the, the league's best rushing team. I think that that's got to be their biggest concern because I, I, for all the problems with quarterbacks and offense that Michigan has, you know, I have no doubt that they're they're going to be able to run the ball on Rutgers. So what that means, I guess, going forward is 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 Rutgers going to be able to find even a little bit of offense against that uh, Michigan defense to score? You know, I think that's going to be a very big challenge if they can't uh, if they can't pass the football. So they're going to have, they're going to have to show me something that I haven't seen here in the next few weeks for for me for me you know well in the last few weeks for me to buy in on on their ability to pull off this big upset. I mean, you've seen Michigan this year, and you've seen the offense mm-hmm. struggles. We know it's. Uh, I still think it's a good defense. Uh, Penn State's just a, an elite, very talented mm-hmm. team. Yeah. And <laughs> it's only course, one Saquon Barkley. <laughs> uh, well, exactly. He and Trace McSorley. That's uh, well. They've got just so much talent. The skill positions. Uh, they are a very good football team, uh, and they proved that to us on Saturday night. But you know what Rutgers can do too. But do you think they've shown enough that uh, they can come in here and be competitive uh, with Michigan? Competitive, yeah, I could I could see them uh, in the in the first quarter, first half, closer than than Michigan fans would like to see. You know, again, I just have it's just the uh, being competitive versus um, you know versus having a chance to win in the fourth quarter. I, I don't see that, but I do. I mean, I would be very surprised if this game is anything resembling what happened a year ago, which was really, you know, one of the more embarrassing moments in recent Rutgers football history. It was just the perfect storm, you know, have that team come here and have Michigan fans essentially uh, celebrating, celebrating in the end zone over, you know, the score that just really got out of the hand. I think Rutgers is past that. Uh, certainly I don't think Michigan is as good as the last year's team either. So, uh, you know, I think this would be, this would be a kind of, Rutgers could get out of this building with a, with a, with a victory if they only lose by two touchdowns in my mind for, for where they are. Well, it's homecoming in Ann Arbor, so there's going to be a sellout. Maybe a few unhappy campers in the stands after the Penn State game. Uh, Weatherman says, at least right now, good football weather, uh, dry and in the 50s. We all know here that can change. And it's a big game. Rutgers wants to continue the upswing. Michigan needs to get back on track, so uh, it should be interesting. My guest today has been columnist Steve Politi from the Newark Star-Ledger. Steve, thanks for taking the time to join us, and we look forward to another visit next year. Anytime. Thanks, Mike. Quick Hits is next as we wrap up this Rutgers Visitors edition of The Michigan Man here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. On Quick Hits today, nothing new on the injury front from earlier this week. Chase Winovich has not been officially ruled out of action for Saturday. He is day-to-day, so we will wait until Saturday and see if he is ready to go. Here are some of our game day notes for this year's homecoming matchup. The first meeting between these teams was on October 4th of 2014, and as Steve and I discussed, it was Rutgers' biggest win to date since joining the Big Ten, 26-24. It set off a victory celebration the likes of which they still talk about in Jersey. Last year, Michigan destroyed Rutgers 78-0 in Piscataway. Coach Chris Ash is in his second year and has a record of 5-14. They were 2-10 overall last season, 0-9 in the Big Ten. 
Their last bowl appearance was in the 2014 Quick Lane Bowl, a 40-21 win over North Carolina. It is a homecoming for Rutgers quarterback Giovanni Ricino, who played his prep ball at Warren D. LaSalle. And remember, bring your rain gear again for this Saturday's game, 50% chance of rain. The weatherman says temps will be in the 50s, again with that 50% chance of rain, and will be playing the game under overcast skies. Thankfully, no monsoon weather like our last home game is in the forecast. Thanks again to Steve Politti from NewJersey.com and the Newark Star-Ledger for joining us today. Next week, we get ready for another night game in the big house as Minnesota and P.J. Fleck come to town. On Tuesday's game day show, my guest will be Wolverine.com editor Chris Ballas. On Thursday's Visitor's Edition, Golden Gophers radio play-by-play voice Mike Grimm will stop by for a visit. So make sure you come back next week for all of that. It has been a tough week for Michigan football. The hangover from the Penn State game took more than a few days to shake for most of us. But now it's time to get back in the big house and get to work. As Jim Harbaugh said on Monday, he wants his team to understand there is so much to play for. Not only this week, but in the next five weeks. So let's keep our daubers up and get after it this week. That will do it for another Visitor's Edition of the show. I thank you for listening. And make sure you tell your friends and family about the show. Our free show app is available from the Google and iTunes stores, and you can also listen on iHeart, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Wolverine Sports Radio. If you get the show from iTunes, please take a moment to rate or review the program. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Come on, Michigan fans, we're 5-2, and two, it's homecoming, and we get to spend another day watching what we love, Michigan football. And I can't wait. Have a great Wolverine weekend, everyone. Until next week, take care. And as always, go blue. Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at the Michigan Man Podcast at Yahoo.com. That's the Michigan Man Podcast at Yahoo.com. The Michigan Man Podcast is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan, and is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go blue.